Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of this episode of Move. Jamie, are you ready? Dude, I'm always ready. I'm strapped in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be inspired, which is our word that we love to use. Let's do this. Part two of Move. What people try and do is you try and have that separation between business and relationship and things like that. But sometimes you said they do cross. And that is a super hard situation, especially when you are either starting a business and because, you know, there is that kind of rumor where you have to work all hours every single day and do that. And you do have to work hard, but you don't have to do that. But a lot of your focus is going into that one thing. So things get crossed over. How do you kind of approach that? We talked about routine at the start, but how, I mean, not kind of boring how do you separate work and business and your life but what is it like in your kind of average week yeah I think that in my previous life so at the do and kind of moving through the ranks and and working on what we eventually became um in terms of the team and I was working next to Andre and I became his deputy CEO and we were working together kind of um day in day out and and so we would spend a lot of time together including families so poor poor little Finn would be bundled off with me on a weekend to Andre's house because we'd be working or doing something and um it was a lot it's it's very intense to kind of have that life and you're not seeing your friends and you're kind of everything becomes all consumed with work and um there were some amazing 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 highs from doing that um and incredible trips and like a life that you know feels a million miles away now um and there were some extreme lows as well. And so when I was starting Peanut, notwithstanding, the team would be much smaller. So inevitably they become like family because you're spending all, all your time together. Um, I was much clearer that um, where I could, this wasn't going to be as personal. This wasn't going to be, you know, come on team, let's go away for the weekend because actually... I want the team to have their life and and I have my life and um, I didn't want there to feel like there's that blur. And obviously there are exceptions to that. But that generally speaking, that was something that I made consciously because it was so involving for me the first time around. It's so interesting you did it because, you know, you went from Badoon, you then went to be director of Bumble, Mm -hmm. which is a huge dating app that lots of people know where it's very kind of women empowered. You know, the women, women have to make the first step in it. They have to make the conversation starter. So you can match on it and things like that. And then you did, then you, you broke away from that and uh, you started Peanut. And just for our Listeners, can you explain in a nutshell, nice little pun there, that uh, you've never been used before? <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, what Peanut is? Yeah, so Peanut is um, an app which is a social network for like minded women who are mothers, basically. So um, you can find friends, you can chat, you can ask questions, you can crowdsource information, but it's basically um, a cooler social network for 
I'm a cool mom. You're a cool mom. But it's interesting because you, you know, there's there's that switch. You were working at Bumble, which was, you know, it's huge, right? It, it's it's renowned all over the world. And then you made the decision to step away from that and do something yourself. Um, was that an easy decision or was it a hard decision? So the way it happened actually is um, I was at Badoo and Badoo is the majority shareholder of Bumble. So, okay, um, so we um, we started building what became Bumble um, during my tenure at Badoo, and um, I was on the board of Bumble, obviously. And so, um, my my life and my dedication was basically Badoo and, and and Bumble, and you know what what Whitney and the team did with Bumble was in, absolutely incredible, and I'm so proud that I was part of it, and I'm so so um, proud every day to see how that progresses. I wasn't dating in my personal life, and um, so I wasn't using the product. And actually, I was starting to get to the point where my friends weren't either. So it was always great all the while that my friends, like my friends from home, were still kind of in that dating world, and it was, you know, exciting. And then gradually, they weren't either. Um, But I had just had my little boy, and I did see this huge opportunity in this other market. Um, And... I felt really, really disappointed by everything that was out there. The products that were out there for mothers, they were they felt either lame or just 20 years old. It, they were great 20 years ago. I was actually were... speaking to someone recently, I can't remember what it was, someone we spoke to recently that said about Mumsnet, and that was like the thing, and it still is, like the users are massive. But when you look at it, it's like, but, but you look how at, are people using right, this? But you look, at, you look at Mumsnet now, and actually the average age of the user is much older because they've stayed with the product yes. and they, they they have stayed with it but women who are my age and younger we're not using mums now I don't go onto a forum yeah. like it's it's just it's and that's no disrespect to them that what they built was amazing but no one like challenged that and progressed it and um that to me was so annoying because if it was any other issue in the world I felt like we'd be challenging it but motherhood you know at the time as well it was still wasn't very cool to talk about it, even in my own head. But why is it not cool? I don't, I don't get, know. Why is it not cool? I think it's, you know, motherhood's one of the most magical things that can happen, right? Amazing. But but before I was a mum, I kind of, in my head, it was like, that's something that will happen in a long time away and I'll wear Marks and Spencer's slacks and like, my <laughs> life will change. But did you, did you, did you... Um, and again, I sort of try and tread carefully in this area just because I, I, you know. But it's it's weird. Did you think it was because uh, you were worried how you were going to be perceived in the business world if you went and got pregnant? Definitely. Look, when I <laughs> when I walked into Badoo and told everyone I was pregnant, um, or told Andre actually, and then everyone else, that was really unusual for everyone. Firstly, it was you know the only female exec. And then the only female exec is going to be a mum. Well, that's weird. It was weird for for everyone. It was weird for me, so it was weird for them. It was like a period of adjustment. And how did you find that, sort of, personally? Um, Yeah, look, I was still probably adjusting. Um, Probably, actually, throughout my entire pregnancy, I gave it not one thought. I was like, this is fine. I'm, I'm like, me, everything's normal. It wasn't until Finn arrived where I was like, everything's changed for me. Nothing's changed for you guys. You will never really fully understand how much has changed for me and my life has changed. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, I was, I did a lot of things wrong. I, I made a load of mistakes. I was so desperate to prove to everyone that I was the same and I hadn't changed when I actually had that someone wanted to do a call at seven o'clock at night, even though I knew that was bedtime. Yeah, I'll be on the call. Or, you know, someone wants to go away for the weekend. Yeah, sure, I'll bring Finn. 
And some of those things I should have said no to. And that goes sooner. and that goes back to you as a child constantly wanting to be accepted in a sense in whatever place you were. You didn't yeah. want to be known as the geek. You didn't want to be known as this, the ballerina, whatever it was. And you were known as this sort of uh, you know you were known in the biz world as someone who would do it. You know, get it done. Get this it would happen. Done. And you and you didn't want to lose that USP. Otherwise, then what you do is you feel like you lose your identity. Absolutely, and that's a really hard thing that a lot of people go through. That loss of identity, where. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you are in the military and you come out of the military and you then realise that, hang on a second, I don't have a place in this world. And that's very scary for mothers, I think. And you've been very open and honest about your your time as a mother. And that's your inspiration behind Peanut. Uh, because you, you've well, you can explain it better than I'm explaining it. Yeah, I I think that loss of identity was so huge because, as you just said, almost everything of who I was and my identity was so closely tied to who I was in the workplace. Um, that all of a sudden when things had to change and they had to change, you know, I I couldn't do those seven o'clock calls. I wasn't going to miss bedtime with Finn to do a seven o'clock call that we could do at eight. Like it was was literally within my control to make it happen at eight. So change it, Michelle. So there were so many things that I I should have done better and it took me a while and it was a massive disservice to all the women in the organisation as well who felt like we have to do it like Michelle's doing it and actually that was the way I was doing it was wrong. So I had to change it. But... um, in terms of kind of needing to find a community and support and women who were like me, yeah, that was that was the the whole um, inspiration behind Peanut. My girlfriends didn't have babies um, when I had Finn, and they were still working. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. My best mate's in the office, of course. She can't just hang out with me and Finn. And all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, I need other people who are doing the same thing as me, and I I want to build a a platform where I can find like-minded women. And what and you know, lots of people experience those moments where you have to change something. So whether that is in business, where you suddenly have to go, you know, I'm not going to do that seven o'clock call. We're going to do it at eight. How did you bring yourself to do that? Because that is sort of taking a leap of faith in your in yourself. It's having the confidence within you to go. You know what? They're not going to care, but I'm just going to do it. And that is scary because I had it a lot of times where I would, such a people person, where I'd agree to everything and then I would let certain people down and it would be a disaster just because I wanted everyone to suppose like me in a sense. And so how did you overcome that situation that you were dealing with? I am such a pleaser. I am that person. I hate it. I hate the thought of people not liking me. So it's, again, like now I'm like, I could care. But really, you know, for, for the biggest part of my life, I... I have really cared. Um, And, yeah, making that change. Do you know what? I had to do it. I think it was because I I was literally pushed to do it. I'm looking at my son, watching my husband putting him down to bed while I'm, like, hanging out the door on a conference call. And, um... That was just making me more miserable than it would to tell someone no. Um, so I had to do it. It was like that kind of like choice. Okay, like that's not... This has to happen yeah, now. Yeah. And you also, you know, you have a co-founder with Peanut. Yeah. Um, and how important... you Ed and I, we're co-founders with Candy Kittens. And uh, how important is it to do a venture like this with a co-founder? In it's your eyes. not important at all. And we have to tell women that message. 
I have been in so many meetings with so many investors where they have the message I have received is female, sole female founders will not get investment. You must have a co-founder. And particularly if you're working in tech, you must have a technical really? co-founder. That's super interesting. Because a message I received. I think Jamie's so probably many coming times. at it from a different angle of saying but for us, co-founder is important for yeah. me because yeah. it actually makes it nice to bounce ideas yeah. around and have somebody else to talk to things about and share the 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 responsibility of being and, a founder. And, and for me, I, I realise that I'm a good entrepreneur, but I'm not a good businessman, you yeah. know, and, and that I'm not good at building the blocks, but I'm great with the ideas and this and that. And Ed, actually Ed has both, which is quite lucky, but I had to understand and realise that. But your angle is different, I suppose, where I think that's a different angle where I can't believe that people said that within the industry that you cannot be a a sole founder as a woman especially in tech you will you must have a technical co-founder was a message i received so many times over and so is that um, what you then went out and found or you did I, that i mean i did yeah i mean so i i took it and and that's nothing to do with with my co-founder greg he he was brilliant and um he actually does far less in the business these days he's kind of more silent but when we were starting up we worked very very closely and he were, he was amazing um but that was a message that i received a lot and so pleaser i went out and did it because i wanted to get it right um actually what i realized is it's far more about the team and the people you surround yourself with and complementing your skill set with other people's um and finding people around you who are smarter than you and like, my entire team is smarter than me so um you have to find people who are smarter than you who who plug the holes that that you have um and so there will always be things that you're not I'm awful at maths I mean I shouldn't really say this but I'm really horrible at maths I'm terrible um I genuinely feel like it's a numerical dyslexia I I I sit I get freaked out by it it takes me a long time I get hot thinking about it um and so what's the solution to find someone who's bloody brilliant at maths you know it's not the end of the world if we just kind of Rewind just a little bit. So when you started Peanut, um, what were the kind of first steps for you? So you left Bumble. <clears throat> so I was, I, I left, I left Badoo. Badoo was my role. Badoo. I was on the board at Bumble. Bumble, yeah, okay. Um, so I, I left Badoo and I stayed on the board of both companies. I stayed on the board of Badoo and Bumble, basically so I could pay my bills um, whilst I was researching the market. And I kind of was researching things. Actually, I reached out to... Um, someone who I used to work with um, and I said to her listen I've I've always had ideas and I'd always be sending her ideas and um, I was like this one's a good one I've got an idea but I've got, this one's re- actually a good one um, and here it is like here's a word doc- here's a word document <laughs> here's a word document of um, what I think it's going to be and I think maybe even I'd drawn something on a piece of paper and taken a picture um, and sent it to her and I was like can you help me make it look better and more presentable and more beautiful and she's very gifted in that area and so she did and um I was going to New York for a Bumble Spotify event like doesn't sound like much now but at the time Bumble was the first app to integrate Spotify like people's playlists very big deal like with a brand like Spotify is cool in in any so cool it was cool this was 2016 and we were the first app and we got it over Tinder and it was awesome right that was the big deal so I'd gone to New York and we were having a party and I was with Whitney, who is the um, CEO of Bumble. And I was like, so listen, I've been working on something and this is what I'm going to do. And I showed her um, 
my deck, which which Hannah had done for me and made look beautiful. And she was like, okay, yeah, I like it. This is cool. Let me introduce you to someone who reached out to me. He was an investor um, from San Francisco. And he was like, this is great. I love it. Speak to one of my partners. Had a call with um, his partner. And the next day I had a term sheet. And the term sheet is basically the terms of the investment that he will give. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So I think what's important to kind of note for the listeners, because if you're kind of sat at home listening, thinking, how do we, how do I, I want to start an app? How do I do it? Well, actually this lady sounds amazing, but she was a lawyer. Then she worked for these big companies. Then she got in with this amazing startup and then Bumble and met Whitney and blah, blah, blah. And it kind of sounds like so far removed perhaps from where maybe the listeners might be now. But there is that journey, right? There is a journey But the fundamentals of kind of just going out, putting something on paper, then talking about it, showing people and having that confidence to kind of do that. How would you kind of advise somebody who wanted to follow your footsteps maybe? Yeah, it's so scary, right? It's the most scary thing in the world. And showing Whitney was scary. It's like role reversal, right? I'm like her like mentor big sister and all of a sudden I'm like pitching her. It was a weird like situation to be in. And what if she said she thought it was crap? Then that would just be so Uh embarrassing. And then anything that we'd done together before, she'd be like, actually was her advice any good? So um, there there was just this horrible moment of like... (gasps) nerves and panic you the more you talk about your idea there's this weird thing actually amongst entrepreneurs where people don't want to talk about their idea someone will steal my idea that's absolutely we agree with that yeah especially in the uk it's crazy you have to tell as many people as possible what your idea is because a you refine your pitch every time you do it b you find out what the holes are because every single person's got a different idea of what the problem with that is and and c um you have to work out whether other people want what you're going to build because if 10 people tell you that it's not a very good idea maybe it's not a very good idea time to tweak yeah and what's so funny is that uh that fear of failure resonates in everyone right you're so scared of you're so worried about what people will think and if it's going to be a right idea and perhaps it is silly but you think it works and that that point where you're right I completely agree Ed and I are always saying talk about your idea if you've got an idea talk about it go for it go and do it um but it's interesting here that you felt that same thing you had been lawyer you had built things up you had run things you did all that but you still had that fear within you that your next idea wasn't right the worst feeling in the world right it's like that dream I said this the other day and someone looked at me like I've never had that dream I was like okay it's awkward but I used to have a dream when I was younger that you walk into the classroom and you're naked and you don't know you're naked until you walk into the classroom right and then everyone laughs at you and it's just the worst dream in the world it's excruciating um and for me starting peanut was like that dream every day because every day there was something that I'd forgotten, hadn't thought about, hadn't done before, was experiencing for the first time, was blagging. So much so much of this is pretending that you know when you ultimately don't know. And so I was doing a lot of that all of the time. And so you're right, it, it sounds like, oh, and then she met an investor and then poof, it It happened. sounds easy, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it, I have to just say, it was so hard. And there were times when I would be, you know, on my floor 
of my living room crying on the phone to various people um, saying, like, I just don't know if this is for me, actually. I think I've made a mistake. Maybe I just should go back. Um, I don't know this is right for me. And, you know, then you... You, get up and do it. You again. get up and do it. But also, I suppose, what is the what is the biggest thing that you learned uh, working in a corporate than becoming founder and CEO and actually managing and, and building a business yourself? What was the biggest difference you found? So there was this huge difference. Um, and for me, probably a lot of it's to do with the legal training, which is as an entrepreneur, you see the risk and you do it anyway. And as a lawyer, you spend your life being trained to identify risk and avoid it. And that was such a huge shifting gear for me because I was so used to being the person that people would be like, we want to do this. And I'd be like, okay, let me just think about that. Well, here are five reasons why we shouldn't do it like that. Let's do it like this to, to not have that risk. And, and actually, that's you can't run your business like that. When, it, when you're a founder, you just have to see it and be like, I think it's minimal. I'm going to go for it. It's yeah. just, what's the worst? Um, and that took me a lot of time to kind of... Um, balance um, but I definitely think that the kind of the shift what did it teach me mm-hmm. it's back to that work ethic right I will you'll never work harder as a founder you literally will never work harder even when I was at Badoo and I was working like 18 hour days I can never switch off from peanut it's like it's always there there is no element of switch off um, but the reward is ultimately greater for me and what, what advice would you give to girls who are entering the world of tech because uh, a lot of women there is a lot less women than men in tech, and that's due to opportunity and lots of different things. And if you had to dissect that, you know, what would, what advice would you give and what would you say to people, you know, who aren't considering it, but also people who are considering it? So um, I think that you can never, must never, should never let um, your difference, whatever your difference is, be the thing that unpicks you. It should be the thing that disarms other people. So you should always try and be exactly what they expect you not to be. So for me, I feel like everyone makes a judgment on me immediately that I have an app for mums. And I used to find myself saying, wait, let me tell you about all the cool technology that we use in it. And let me tell you about my background in dating and blah, 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 blah. And let me tell you why you should take me seriously and not just treat me as like a mummy with an app. Um, And I suppose maybe it's age um but the older I get and and the kind of the the more I do this the more I feel like yeah I actually don't care if you make that judgment of me because that will be the thing that I will disarm you with um because eventually I'm going to raise that next really big check and you won't have done it and it's because you misjudged me so it I think it should you should use it to your advantage is what I'm trying to say there's a lot of power in being the the small guy it's exactly right being yeah. exactly what people don't expect you to be is the most disarming quality you can have, I think. In I think way. that's super interesting. Jamie and I, obviously in Candy Kittens, we now are really lucky to be working with this kind of huge manufacturer and they're kind of one of the biggest confectionery people in the world and they, they were one of our investors and we were super, super, super excited about that because it was, for us, that kind of um, gold star, these guys believe in us and it was kind of a badge of honour. And we started talking to our customers about it and then we quickly realised, actually... We're much better saying nothing about these guys at all because we were so much more exciting and different when we were just the small guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of power in that. And in the early days of starting a business, there's so much to gain from kind of really leaning into knowing how small you are and, and the naivety that comes with it. Yeah. 
And, and also the, the greatest gift you have as a startup is the fact that you're able to adapt and change in a heartbeat. You know, you know, for us, if you look at the companies like Maynard's, Haribo, whatever it is, the giants that you all aspire to be, they can't suddenly change to vegan like we did. You, know, you can't suddenly do that. You can't adapt and change and do all those kind of things, which I think is so important. But Peanut Now is at a fantastic stage. You know, uh, what are your plans for the next year, 2019, what are you hoping for? Where's the team at? So we're a team of 10 now, which um, doesn't feel like a lot, but bearing in mind we were the team of four for the longest time, it feels like, woo, 10. Um, so that's cool. And um, 2019 is really all about growth. We spent a lot of 2018 really like honing the product and getting product market fit. Um, and 2019 is really about kind of accelerating that growth. Um, so it's a really exciting time because we get to try stuff and, um, and play around with things that we have kind of, from a discipline perspective, saying, no, it's not the right time to do it. And now we can play around with that. So that's fun. Um, we're going to be doing um, a fundraise later in the year. Um, so we've got loads of exciting things coming on. We're opening out the platform a bit more so that Peanut will become um, about motherhood, but it will be not just for mothers. So whether it's a, a girl who's thinking about motherhood um, and she's in her mid-20s and she's thinking about what are my options for egg freezing or what are my options for um, my career choices or whatever it might be, it's for her as much as it is for the woman who is in a later stage of life and her children have gone to university and she feels like she's got empty nest and she needs to like kind of find her, her crew again. So um, that's the kind of, we're starting to do that this year as well. And also that's really important, you know, uh, the, how do you, uh, as a founder and CEO, you start to build your team. How do you make that decision, right, I'm going to take on another person or hang on, I'm going to, so how do you make that decision to take on your first employee yep. and, and start, you know, paying for someone else to help you? Because that's a scary moment as a, as a entrepreneur. You're suddenly going, hang on a second, I'm taking someone on, this is a bit scary, or giving equity away or whatever it mm. is. How do you kind of manage that? You know, it's so hard taking, um, I, I um, did bootstrap the first few months of, of Peanut while we were um, closing investment. And so every hire I made, I was literally personally paying for, right? And that was my savings. So that is, that's super scary. And you know who your um, exact um, kind of choice hires are because you, you've either worked with them before um, you've got someone who per, like perseveres with you while you're writing weird word documents, um, or you've got someone who who kind of can create designs for you, or you have your technicians. So you kind of know what your core like skeleton team is, um, and then from there you kind of build out. and And I suppose actually it's about two things: one, how much money have you got, and how quickly do you will that run out? Um, two, what do you want to hit and establish and prove, and how long um, will the money you've got might take you to get there um and three how quickly therefore can you hire to to team up to be able to execute to hit those goals um so you're kind of balancing all of those different things um and you know being completely honest I'm still getting better at it I I still get like nervous about god I need to hire more people but oh my god my runway you know it's balanced. And so and what is your biggest success story to date would you say mm -hmm. And it could be anything. Oh, probably my son. God, that's really cringy. I would have cringed when I was younger and someone said that, but probably him. He's amazing. And um, he corrects me on things. And, um, yeah, probably him. And also, if you, if you had to define success, 
How would you define it? It's a really great question. And the one thing I do know for certain is that success is not defined by a title. It's not defined by a profession. It's not defined by a salary. Um, Because believe me, you can have the grandest title in the world and like me not have had a salary for two years. So, you know, there there are like elements to it. Um, And... There is always, there will always be an element of you that wants more or is thinking about more if you're not entirely happy. Um, and so success has to be whatever it is that makes you get up in the morning and feel excited to do it and get home at night and not be able to switch off, but not feel horrible about that, but feel excited because the next day you're going to come in and tackle it again. Um, so I suppose success is whatever gives you that drive. Amazing. What a nice way to finish. I think that I would like to finish with one final question. Um, which we ask all of our guests, if you had to start a new business tomorrow, kind of forget everything you know now, and you had to do something completely new tomorrow, what would it be? Oh, um, Hannah in my office came in the other day and told me, it's not my idea, it's her idea, but it's brilliant. <laughs> St- can, steal I, it. can, I, can I steal it? Can I share it? It's so good. Um, she was like, do you know what I really hate doing is buying underwear, like pants and socks. It's so annoying. I want to do a subscription box for pants and socks. So once a month, I can like dish out the old ones and I've got the new ones in and just the basics, nothing, nothing, nothing crazy. Not, not your, um, not your negligee, but like your, and your lingerie, but your, your ba- everyday basics. I was like, great one. So they get peanut pants. <laughs> uh, Michelle Kennedy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, if you uh, are a mother out there, um, uh, go and check out Peanut. It's a fabulous platform, uh, uh, you know, for a social community. And go and check it out. It's amazing. Michelle Kennedy, thank you so much. Thanks really appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me. Thank, thank you. you. Mate, I told you this would be a good one. Loved it. Oh, Michelle Kennedy, an inspiring woman. What a, I mean, such a treat to have her on. Uh, what was so amazing about her is that she is just one of these ladies who uh, is so open and honest about her whole experience within life, which is uh, so important. And she really kind of understood her inner geek and, and accepts herself in later life, right? Absolutely. I think she's just got the confidence now to own that. And, and as you say, so, so honest and open. Um, got quite emotional there for a moment. Loved it. Really, really interesting. What are the two things? Actually, I'll tell you what, we're going to pick one each. What is the thing that really inspired you within that whole talk? For me, without a doubt, it was uh, when Michelle said that you have to tell everybody about your idea. She said, tell as many people as possible. And I think that in the UK, we're so, so bad at that. We're kind of closed up as Brits and we go into our shell and we think that we can't possibly tell somebody because they might steal our idea. Um, but if you're sat on that next big thing, you think you have something that's going to change the world or, or maybe it's just something that's going to change your life, go and tell as many people as possible. Get out there and start talking about it. I think you'll be amazed at what will start happening for you. Couldn't agree more. My one is the fact, find people who are better than you. Ed, you're better than me in every single way. I'm not <laughs> I've been telling you that for a long time. <laughs> it's so true. Don't be scared the fact that you'll find someone better than you. Uh, that's it. Until next time, everyone, this was Move. Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this is Move.